Hello. I'm not sure how loud to project myself because that music was loud. <laughs> how you doing, man? How you doing? Well, I'm doing I'm, good. I'm, how I'm about Marvel you? Hall, by the way, yeah. Sorry. Say the name of the show, <laughs> then we'll find out how you are. You're doing good. Um, tell everyone who you are. Tell me who you are because it's the first time we're formally meeting. Yeah, it's good to see you. Um, I'm actually John from Movie Loves Unite. I have a podcast called Movie Loves Unite, and I also have a YouTube channel as well underneath the same brand name. And of course, I'm also on Instagram, Pinterest, and also Instagram underneath the same brand name. So anybody wants to uh, follow me or whatever, that's where you guys can follow me at. But it's great to be here and talking Hawkeye and all that other stuff. Yeah, so obviously we didn't have you on last week. So um, in in the interest of getting to know you for both our viewer, maybe, and myself, <laughs> Um, how did you how did you get on? Give us your overall thoughts with the um the first two episodes that we saw last week and how you felt coming into this week. To be honest with you, I felt like the first episode for me, I felt like I was like Clint Eastwood, where I felt like, okay, this is just too much for me. Then again, I was tired. So I went on ahead, rewatched the first episode. I winded up liking the first episode the second go around. Then I got into the second episode. The second episode I wasn't sold on. I was felt like it was too campy for me and everything. Right. It felt like 90s dialogue, very cheesy, very on the nose, and it kept pulling me away from it and everything. Everything with Clint was great, but whenever you have Kate and Clint together, it just didn't feel like a mesh well that together to me. The chemistry to me wasn't that balanced out. Yeah. Then also, too, seeing that Kate is actually speculating that maybe her mom's uh, future husband it might be the killer i'm like really can we make it that more obvious yeah he's, he looks like wario for he was literally out. twirling his fucking mustache and he's a sword collector so yeah um not not subtle not subtle no it's the like oh you collect same. swords so you must be the killer i'm like what <laughs> yeah um and we get we don't we don't get any of his story because that's kind of one of the things that I was actually kind of as much as I don't like the character as of yet I kind of want to know more to see if there's like some more motivation or kind of substance to him other than I'm just a rich also likes collecting super people weapons and costumes just because you know it's like souvenirs or trophies or whatever which as I said last week um, I just don't just didn't feel like that was get you know getting the suit back from a crazy collector person was enough of a stake really to justify the kind of like you know the the, the intense like espionage tones they kind of trying to go for like you say like the winter soldier feel right. but then they keep undercutting it not only if they kind of got like a i want to say it's a weak basis for the story but it's a little bit of a weak basis for the story right. but then you'll you know at least then rely on like the heavier tone as opposed to then throwing in the the jokey stuff and undermining the good stuff that you do have you know the scores you've been great in my opinion you know the, the cinematography is great i think they're both great mm. acting um i'm not 100% sold on their chemistry like it's fine but i feel like they want it to be coming off a lot better than it is I, I feel know. like that they're trying to do like a buddy cop thing, like what they were trying to do with, of course, uh, coming off of the Winter Soldier kind of vibes and stuff yes. like that that we got between Sam and the Winter Soldier. 
to me, that chemistry worked. This one just didn't yeah. work in the second episode. I felt like the third episode actually worked better, in my opinion, because you actually do have that buddy cop kind of feel to it where, you know, they're riding on that little small carousel. They're at a front. As a matter of fact, it actually takes place in the K KB toy store warehouse, which is something that I was actually geeked out about. That's what I was talking to Joshua about was the fact that I was geeked out about that 90s nostalgia because I used to shop there as a kid. But aside from that, I thought the back and forth between her was really good. I thought it was better than the first two episodes that we got. So I'm yeah. like, okay, if this is the way that they're going to go with it, with the dialogue and stuff, I'm fine with it. And then also, too, I didn't feel like it was over the top. And whenever I first saw the trailer to this, I was thinking that they were, that we were going to probably get a more of a serious tone. Then I mm -hmm. saw the trailer. It's totally opposite of what I thought. So I had to go into this thing saying, okay, forget about everything I thought it was. This is the way that it's going to be and the way this is going to be received. So that's one yeah. way of looking at it. Because they were like, they, they obviously, they want that Die Hard kind of tone. And it especially reminds me a lot of Die Hard 3 with with the vengeance, as it were. And they, um, <laughs> but even with that, you had like this really serious thing driving them forward, you know, literally pushing them to run around the city and, you know, have to, like, get to the bottom of, a, a, you know, a mystery whilst also, you know, trying to have to stay on their toes and, and avoid the bad guys and stuff. But there's just... We don't have that here. And the... um, Yeah, I don't know. The dialogue's fine with the, um, the, the banter between them. It's not like some of the Marvel stuff where it's just overly, you know, snarky and jokey all of the time. Uh, I feel like they very intentionally understated it but then by the same time is that it means they're also not taking any big swings so there's no like really like memorable quotable you know jokes or lines of dialogue that are kind of hitting you throughout the episode so I just just feel like they're treading too carefully in kind of just lightly in in these two or three different tones they're not really as opposed to like a wonder vision you know, that just fully embraced and leaned into what it was. And if you didn't like it, you didn't like it. And if you did, great. And then if you stick with it till the end, you still get your super battle, you know? Um, um, go on. Oh, sorry. But another thing I want to bring up, too, is Myra. I like the motivation at the very beginning of yes. this episode for episode yeah. three because of the fact that it gives you the groundwork of caring about a villain that's after Clint, and she has good motivation to be after them. It's not like, oh, what's the ninja suit? I just want to have the ninja suit to have the ninja suit. It's much mm. more than just about the suit and where it comes from. It's about the fact that it's about this dangerous Ronin character that so happens to be Clint dressed up as and everything, and she thinks it's this person's risen back up. Instead, it was I believe it was just Clint from Endgame and stuff like that that was actually Ronin, mm. and she, Basically, he winded up taking out her own parents' um, goons and stuff. But the thing that I liked about it was she's she's a deaf character, and there's hardly any dialogue. You can tell with the eyes and stuff like that because 99% of acting is within the eyes itself and also the facial expressions and stuff without the dialogue, which is why I like A Quiet Place Part 1 so much. But, you know, the thing that I appreciate with this was the introduction to the uncle and then him taking her to the karate class. And then mm -hmm. this person's in her life 
for only a small amount of time, but the small amount of time that we have him for, you you your soul is crushed within the he's first. He's so good. That actor is so great, and they mm -hmm. really do a good job of like just breathing you through like all the kind of like typical kind of beats of an origin story. You know, we set up the character. You know, she's deaf. She's got this um this uncle that she clearly respects. Then we go straight into training. Then he dies. She comes back. She sees you know Ronin, and we just we just have it all set up there. And even with the smaller character things, like you say, with like how she's like using her, you know, like in Daredevil, you get all that stuff where he's like, you, you get the shot of the ear and he's listening and like mm -hmm. the sound editing would get tinkered with and stuff. And we kind of do the same thing here, but with the visual. So like she's walking into a room and you can see how she's picking up on all these very like subtle, like visual cues that maybe, you, you know, anyone else wouldn't, necessarily be looking at or noticing and you know that's got to be hard man i mean being a blind superhero is one mm. thing you know you can hear the guys coming up behind you but death oh yeah that's, that's, that's makes dangerous. it a whole lot more harder and also challenging at the same time i also, would too, so at least yeah and that's another thing i want to mention too is even when she was at a at this class at her regular school she thought it was mm -hmm. going to be a school for the deaf but it's just a school for people that can hear just regular school the uncle goes yeah. no you're destined for so much more than that you're gonna have to figure out a way to balance out both worlds so that way yeah. you can stand out in in as one it's and weird I like right that. because they say that they can't afford to send her to the um the, the school for the for the deaf people but then it's like yeah but we'll send you to like super villain <laughs> crime lord karate school <laughs> and that's fine like I don't know which one costs more, but, you know, <laughs> one plays into the family business, I guess, which brings me to another point. You said about how, like, how good the characters' motivations are, and they are in, in how they're established. But also, it's a bit murky and grey here because she wants, to, she wants to kill Ronin because Ronin killed her uncle. Right. Fair enough. That in and of itself, that's completely understandable. But then as we realise... You know, this uncle was running a, a whole fucking, or at least part running or co-running, like a whole <laughs> underground crime organization. So from her perspective, yeah, Ronin is the bad guy. But also, mm. you know what your dad does for a job. You know what your uncle does. And you're going to go complaining and crying <laughs> when they get payback for what was coming to them. And I'm not I'm not advocating for vigilante justice. So right. Leave it in the hands of the law. I don't really trust them either, but you know, for the sake of this stream and reducing anarchism, because I'm but, very influential. Go on. Here's the thing, though, with this. Okay, so it goes back over to the Walking Dead side of me, where Carol and Daryl are talking, and she looks at Daryl. She said, "Daryl, are we the heroes in somebody else's story, or are we the villains in somebody else's story?" And to her, she—that's the villain. For Ronan, yeah, he's the hero in his story. Yeah. So I mean, you got he, the visualization he, of the character, huh? Yeah, because he knows he wasn't exactly heroic. Uh, there's obviously some wrestling with, with some of this stuff, which I don't think we get enough of. It's so on the surface, just about we need to get the suit because if the suit's out there, they're going to think that Ronan's still out there, and it's just going to be causing us problems. They don't. I'm not getting a lot of focus on the sense of like you know, 
this was a bad thing. This is, you know, and I, I think we're going to get it because when we're going to assume that we're going to get this interaction between Clint and, and Maya, where we get the reveal of, yeah, it was me, which how anyone doesn't know that, like, already at this point, is like, this dude is chasing this fucking suit around for some reason, but he can't be Ronin. He just knows where Ronin is. It's like, right. come on. Well, you, you fuckers haven't seen a single TV show ever. Well, another thing, though, too, man, I mean, even Kate, she would actually be the first one to figure it out. Yeah. Especially she, when, yeah, Kate would be the first one because she found inspiration with Clint as a role model, even though he says that he's not a role model. But to her, she he is a role model. This, Even though, yeah, he saved her on Christmas and stuff like that and came out and saved a stranger. But that's twice, though, in her, in her life that he saved her. Because of the alien attack in episode one, she finds her inspiration through Clint to be an archer. In this one, she say, and he doesn't even know that he saved her to, from the start, and that's how she got her inspiration to be an archer. And then he comes on Christmas to save her, and disrupts his whole entire family and his plans to save a complete stranger. And I like that. I like the fact that they had that kind of uh, sensibility about it. Yeah. Now he's definitely shown, you know, and not, you know, through his actions and not through, you know how he's like specifically interacting with her. But like you say, he just ab abandoned everyone else in his life to just go and help this this kid. I mean, it's not 100% altruistic because he knows that this shit's going to backfire on him. Somebody gets that suit, they're going to run DNA on the inside of the thigh of the leg or something. They get some skin scrapings. They're going to find out who this fucker is straight away. Um, well, I don't know if they can do that now considering the fact that in episode two, they had someone that else that wore the suit so therefore they'll have two different DNAs on right. I could just see them going up to the locker from the park and killing him, thinking that's actually Ronan, but instead it's actually Clint. And then they yeah. figure out, okay, we have another DNA that matches out to the suit, so therefore we have to go after Clint next. So <laughs> Yeah. So talking about this stuff, um like go back to the beginning of the episode. So they're captured in the um yeah, that old abandoned building place. And they're um we, we get all the um I would say medium medium done kind of banter and dialogue. Yeah, we've got the banter fine. back and forth be between Kate and him and things like that. And he goes, What were you doing? I was about to clear your name, and then he yeah. would go mess it all up again. And Look, then yeah. No, I was just say these goons, man, these goons, what are they doing? They they captured they captured an Avenger and they just tie him to a kid's ride thing and they just sit there just laughing like bad idea. I mean, I know it's Hawkeye, he's got no bow and arrow, but we just there's no respect being being given whatsoever. To the point they're just barehanded dudes. They train at karate school, right? And they obviously work for somebody very important and very powerful, very well established in comic book lore, if it is who we think it is. We'll get into that in a minute. Right. I want to get into that too. So, so this is an Avenger. This is one of the six original Avengers. So we're going to send a bunch of goons in tracksuits. No weapons. Cool. <laughs> then he is, when they escape, all of a sudden they've got baseball bats and crowbars. And, and then we get another action scene with them and Hawkeye get into his bow and arrow 
and that's a great moment again I'll get to that in a second as well just finish this bit here okay and then they escape the building with the dudes with the crowbars and the baseballs, and then they come after them with guns now they've all got guns all of a sudden when we get to the point of the car chase and it's just like why was you not holding these fuckers at point blank range from the get-go you work for a very powerful very intelligent man and you're acting like villains in streets of rage too i don't know <laughs> well to be honest with you i have to agree with you they didn't really feel threatening or menacing at all they were like one very one note one layered kind of characters like don't get me wrong i know they're goons i know they're bad guys or whatever yeah and they're supposed to be one layered but not down to the point where they're so one noted that you're making hawkeye ride a pony and doing and doing that and laughing at him like he's Deadpool. Like, no. Nah. I'm like, yeah. that part didn't really work for me. Yeah, I chuckled, but at the at the same time, I'm like, it's complete ridiculousness of it. Yeah. This the guy only went one that to was actually threatening was Myra and the other guy that he she was with. Yeah, their relationship is great, by the way. We, you know, we don't dive into the specifics of, you know, if they're just like friends, colleagues, or maybe more. But we, we get really good performance from him. Like I really felt like the pathos from him and, you know, when he sees Maya's gone too far and she's, like, choking up um, Kate and stuff. And and we just really get, like, a lived-in sense of their relationship, which I really love. And then to counteract your point of the just the mindless goons, we do get the one with the relationship problems and the, um, the watch. Or, no, the tickets. He buys tickets um, for... For somebody for a date and and they don't realize that it's supposed to be a date and they want to take their friend and we get like we spend a good like three minutes on this with kate um early on in the episode yeah giving him advice relationship advice and all that stuff which and was she, like pretty much just a distraction to get clint to unwrap himself yeah but she's a kid everything. man like in this she's never been in any situation like this and she's playing it off all like cool calm and collected and then, which I, at first I really hated, because I would say she's a kid with no experience. She should she should be shitting herself. But then when Maya does the flip and grabs her by the throat and she has that moment of like, oh, fuck, this is really serious. And then like, don't be scared, you know, keep your cool, all of this kind of stuff. So they, they get back on, on point eventually. Um, but... I just felt like it was unnecessary and we could have had those moments between them without having, you know, we could have had those two extra minutes with the um, joking with the goon and just had more of these like personal moments between Clint and um, Kate because we do get some really great ones. We definitely do. And, you know, I, and then of course I like the stunts. The stunt work was really good in the action sequences whenever Clint's escaping and everything too. Oh yeah, they, and then uh, him going into the classic balls and stuff reminded me of Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory going bazinga and everything. That yeah. has a, like a little small thing, but I was I I, I like that. I like the scene. I like that scene though. Yeah, that that action scene was really well done. Um, where you know we're completely undermining him. Hawkeye's no bow getting beaten up by dudes in tracksuits. And even he knows straight away because he escapes and he doesn't even try and help Kate. He's just like, I get the bow. <laughs> Everything else should be fine. I can get the bow before I get the girl and 
that's just going to make everything conducive, you know, as opposed to being like, hey, what the fuck are you leaving me? Like, for a bow, really? It's like, no, we we know why. We know, right. like, you know, you, you're, you're weak without it. It's just, say what it is, you know. Exactly. Like, what is Iron Man without his suit? He's still a genius and a billionaire and everything else. What are you, Hawkeye? You know, you can't even do a movie marathon with your fucking kids, you drip. <laughs> Right. So we um, another thing that I thought that was cool was this, though. The tug of war between uh, Myra and Clint with the bow and stuff like that. And then she throws him out. And then all of a sudden, he's like, he goes on there, shoots the arrow. It breaks uh, Kate out of her, uh, out of the duct tape and everything. I like that. And Pretty then cool. they run out. And then they go. And then, of course, he's like, no, not the charger. We're not going to take the charger. Nothing's yeah. going to. And then. So he winds up taking this other car, and then, like you mentioned before, next thing you know, you see brass knuckles, you see everything that goons are supposed to have, all of just sudden just comes out of the woodwork. It's like, wait, you're supposed to be threatening. That should have happened within as soon as you guys caught these guys, as soon as you caught yeah. Kate and also Clint. They should Not have been after they escaped. Yeah, it should have been airtight security from the get-go. But um but as we get into this car chase, though, we get we get some yeah. fun stuff here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a comic book fan, and I, you know, I like some games. And there's a, there's a little game called Marvel vs. Capcom Three where Hawkeye is a playable character. Anyone's ever played this game? It's the best. Every combo for Hawkeye, every different combination of buttons that you can think of to press, does a different kind of fucking arrow. And that's the kind of Hawkeye that I've wanted to see. In these things, in, instead we just got grappling hook man um, with a bow, and in yeah, we we get them all. We get this whole bit in the car. Well, I don't know what arrows are which. You need to label them. Um, not <laughs> that one. Not true. that one. Not that one. Here, you try this one. Um, so I was I was geeking out over that, but then I don't know. This whole scene is great. This whole chase scene, um, the thing they do with the camera moving around inside the car, we do that one-shot thing, is great. But I feel like, I don't know, they, you, I, I sense the, the stretch of the budget in this because some of the shots and some of the moments are really well done and there seems to be like in the splice with somewhere like the effects just really weren't up to the same standard. It looks like there was reshoots adding in some extra lines with Kate and stuff, because some of the stuff just looks so green screened when Kate's hanging out the car. But some of it looks great. Some of it right. looked really like hyper realistic and, you know, reminded me of like Kingsman and the church scene and stuff like that mm. with the way the camera was moving with the action. And I just feel like they couldn't stretch that to do that for the whole show or at least the whole um, set piece because that would have really had me engrossed. But when we kept cutting to, like, the cartoony stuff with the, the the effects on the arrows, you know, like the purple crap, the green gas, <laughs> just it just looked like, you know, like a Roadrunner cartoon um, in, in some parts. So I don't know if that was just me. Did you get that feeling? Okay, so um, I'm going to get into that bit a little, in a minute. But mm. I just want to go off of the... Um, the car car chase and stuff like that. I thought the car chase scene was really good. The one shot inside the car, I loved it. It was like being on a ride at Universal Studios and you're in the car with them. It puts you at here's the thing, you know, at that point, I don't even feel like I'm watching the movie. I feel like I'm in the I'm in character with them. 
watch and being inside the car with them as this is going down. And I like that. I like like feeling yes. like I'm in this and I'm part of this rather than just me laying on the bed watching the show. I actually felt like I was part of it. And but the to be honest with you, I didn't feel like that like that scene took me out of anything. I didn't really feel like that was like two reshoots or something like that. I felt like it, it worked for me. Um as far as the arrows go, it kind of reminds me of the show Arrow in a sense where they have different arrows for different things. Which I feel like when Clint was that, I said that makes sense. Yeah. Well, here's the thing though with Clint, I kind of figured that they would go with different arrows for different things because Clint is an archer. So he has to have different styles of actually doing different things. I just didn't know what each arrow would do in a sense. Or, or yeah. if, like for instance, the smoke bomb, I thought that was good. Then you have the puffy purple thing that happens. The Ivan news arrow. Yeah. I've been thinking about it. Anyone <laughs> gets that reference? Let me know. Ivan news. Let's go. Go, go Power Rangers. But, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I didn't mind that because I felt like the arrows is what represented the character. And because it represented who Hawkeye is, I was okay with that. Because of the fact that that's who Clint is. Now, if it was any other character, like, for instance, like, Thor shooting the arrow and stuff like that, I'm like, eh, I, no, no, dude, no, dude. That, that's not yeah. you. That's not your character. That would take me out. But if it was, since it's Hawkeye and you're also dealing with Kate Bishop, who's also an archer, it goes hand in hand. Also, too, Clint oh, also... No. Another thing, though, too, I want to mention is this. Clint also doesn't have his ear... Uh, hearing aid in because yeah. Myra winds up crushing it, so he's driving death while all this is going on. So I mm -hmm. thought they played off the narrative really good with that. Yeah, so the thing with the arrows, I don't know it's just some of the stuff, like I say, they lean into this slightly whimsical, almost like you say, like 90s Disney Channel y kind of vibe, and then some of the stuff is like getting real close right up to like that Winter Soldier, you know, thriller vibe. and I just, if they were to just leaned into like the Christmassy, like the happy kind of fun adventure angle, then that wouldn't have bothered me. Um, I don't know. I just felt felt like that was a bit, a bit jarring. But I do want to talk about this um, hearing aid thing. You think okay. you think they were consistent with how they treated that angle? You think because maybe sometimes it was like they were trying to like mince it for jokes and then other times they wanted to like implement it like in a more dramatic way into like the action and the and the narrative and i just felt sometimes they went a little bit silly with it but where she keeps repeating like where she keeps trying to talk to him even though he's told her like three times already and she knows the situation but she still they have to keep doing the bit of i can't hear what you're saying oh it's quiet and the camera's on your face but i can't hear what you're saying and I'm going to say the same thing back to you. And we don't know what the other one, you know, I feel like they really skirted, you know, close to being too flippant with that. I'm not the right person to, to speak on such matters, but that was my take. You see, with, okay, for the seriousness of it, I'll get into the seriousness of the hearing aid and then go into the comical yeah. aspect of it. The seriousness really of it is the fact moment. that Clint, 
can't hear without the hearing aid. And then Myra winds up confronting him. It's like, you use technology as a way to save yourself from your hearing. Yeah, and he immediately is, thinks she's talking about the arrows when she says that. He's like, it's a bad arrow. She's like, no, this. You see, I was thinking the other way around. I was thinking she was talking to Kate because she relies on technology. But see it reflect back on Clint using the technology for his hearing aid. I didn't think about that. And it's like, you know what? I'm the most dangerous woman here because of the fact that I don't need uh, electronics or anything like that to help me with my hearing aids. I can analyze you, read your lips, move, do your body movements with any of that. I'm the most lethal person here. You're relying on only on one thing to help you. Me, mm. I don't need that. That makes me the most dangerous woman that you're ever going to be faced with right now. That's what I got yeah. out of that. Now, as far as the silliness inside the car and stuff like that, imagine that your uncle or someone, for instance, ends up forgetting their hearing aid at home. <clears throat> and you're talking to them as if they have their hearing aid on them when they don't. And you forget that your uncle, who's deaf, forgot it at home. So therefore, he has to keep repeating, I left my hearing aid at home. I can't understand you. So <clears throat> I'm thinking it's the fact that Kate forgot that Clint can't hear. So therefore, <clears throat> they're playing off the narrative of that. Yeah, I just think that obviously, <coughs> you know, you're in the heat of the moment. You're in a stressful situation. You just met the dude a couple of days ago. You didn't even know he had a hearing aid, and now he's lost it. So I get that you could maybe forget that that was the case but we ha we as the audience haven't forgotten that and it just felt like <laughs> they were just hitting us with that same information to the point where it's like are they playing that for a joke of like just you know the repetition of the of the same like moment you know um and i don't i don't think they was i just think that maybe it was a little bit unnecessary uh, i don't know just kind of underselling the audience a little bit like we get it we know and you could keep doing the moments <laughs> with the quietness and the the lip reading and the miscommunication stuff, but you just didn't have to keep reminding us why it. you were doing that. Um, but I don't know. Maybe it's <laughs> maybe some people think that's great that they they had it in there as much and used it in those ways. Um, you know, who knows? Well, for me, I, I laughed at it. I didn't really feel like it was too much mm. or anything like that. It was perfect for me, but I can understand yeah. how it could be repetitive for some people. But, but then they really swing it round because we get, and I'm, you know, I'm hating on all this stuff. I'm thinking, I'm not hating it. I'm just, I'm being cynical of some of this stuff. And then they, then we get the phone call scene and I'm just like, man, I know exactly what you're trying to do here and it is working and I hate you for it. So <laughs> Clint's phone rings. And he can't hear who it is or what that you know what's being said, and and then Kate comes in notepad and she's she's writing down what he's saying and he can kind of relate um, to the to the kid, which is really sweet. Reminds me of this great moment in um, Umbrella Academy. Yeah, if you watch that, where Alison's had her throat cut and she can't speak, and Luther is talking to the to her daughter on the phone, and he um, he relays a message. Or even like um, another thing that it made me think of, because like, everyone's got Spider-Man on the brain lately, but the scene <laughs> in Spider-Man 
one or two where Peter Parker has the phone call and she hangs up and then he carries on having the phone call and kind of you get get a nice emotional moments. So really, they I knew exactly what they were doing. They were playing me like a harp and <laughs> and I let it happen. I thought that was a really nice payoff, but it still, I felt like that would have been better if we hadn't have just been like making jokes about it and, and stuff. And when they're sitting on the train, like there's that's some great stuff. I don't talk about this train stuff because did it just remind you of just the Spider-Man again, Spider-Man, but Spider-Man homecoming, all those shots of them riding like the subway and, and all of that stuff. And I've got and in the car chase scene, I got there was flavors of like Ant-Man 2, for better or yep. for worse. I don't know. They're they're definitely let's say they lean into the light-hearted movies and the more serious movies tone, and they're, they're just trying to reach for both. And it's, you know, I'm not laughing out loud as much as I would have done for like a WandaVision or Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I'm not feeling the gut punches that I maybe felt in some of Falcon and Winter Soldier. And again, WandaVision and even Loki, you know, Loki wasn't afraid to just have a weird tone and kind of just stick to it and have, you know, a lot of just talking and, you know, not a lot of action. And that worked out in the end because by the time we got all the answers at the end, I think for the most part everyone felt satisfied. But talking about answers, who is this uncle character we're dealing with here? I'm still who thinking is- it's Fisk. <clears throat> yeah. And Josh and I talked about that too, but I was thinking he was going to be introduced in Falcon and the Winter Soldier because it's so obvious with the mansions and stuff like that. And even in that underground, to me, the underground uh, black market also mm-hmm. has a feel of Fisk as well. Yeah. Because it's also, I think, it might be the same um, condo or suit that he would live in. But here's the thing. With this show, if you actually look at whenever she's in the karate place and he lifts her chin up, you can see that there's a hand that's bigger than she is. The suit looks like it belongs on a bigger person. It makes sense that it's Fisk hiding out in the underground world, rising up as a phoenix from the ashes and being Mm -hmm. the kingpin. Yeah, this opens up so many questions, right? Because if we bring him in, how much, if any, of the continuity are we bringing in from these shows? Which is obviously the an issue that Marvel has probably been wrestling with as far as like, do we even bring these actors in? Is it going to confuse people if we have the same actors but don't use the Netflix continuity and just kind of say, well, these are just, you know, are slightly variated versions? They can bring these characters in and still have those violent moments because, you know, when we saw that whole entire deal where we see uh, the the villain's uh, uncle getting killed and everything with those scenes, that's a brutal scene. You're seeing the blade go through somebody without any blood splatter, you can still have those intense moments and still keep the show at an even base for Disney Plus, for Disney Mm -hmm. show, without having to show the blood splatter. And I'm thinking that they might actually bring in the continuity of what they've had from Netflix into the show, even though they said that they weren't going to at one point or another. Mm -hmm. But I think it makes sense for them to bring it in. 
because there think, were mentions of things that happened in the very first Avengers movie. Yeah. Do you think that this um this kingpin, this fist, he has already interacted with a Daredevil, even if it's a slightly different one than what we we used to in the shows. Obviously, it'll still be the Charlie Cox version, but has this fist already battled with Daredevil, or is he literally just coming up as the at the beginning of his? organized crime career or, or like you say is he rebuilding after having everything toppled or here's a theory that i had is could we retroactively say if we are going to still use the continuity we could retroactively say that this didn't actually rise to power until after the snap so that you know mm. in season one of daredevil it, he says that you know after the Battle of New York, um, real estate was low. I managed, you know, I want to buy this everything in the sense. city and rebuild it. But he says it's after the Battle of New York. It doesn't mean it was like a week after. It could have been five years later, or we could have even been referring to the Battle in New York that happened in Endgame retroactively. If they wanted to do that, that way you could keep the entire continuity of the series. And now Kingpin's risen up, so. That would theoretically mean that while this is going on, that the Daredevil stuff would kind of happen simultaneously off screen. And we've already seen that, so we would know how that plays out. And then we're right. all up to speed. I don't know. How would you, what would you prefer? And what do you think they're gonna how do you think they're gonna handle this? You see, that actually does make sense on your theory because of the fact that you don't have any big criminals. Coming yeah, up. because Hawkeye or Ronin took them all out as well, right? So that could add an extra, like, layer into what the Kingpin was doing before. Not only is he taking over in the physical, you know, buying all the buildings and stuff, but he's filling that void because Ronin killed all the other crime dudes. Right, but, go on. but I'm thinking, too, like, with the second one, that you, second theory that you had, and the fact that this person, this Fizz, could have fought Daredevil. I'm thinking that these people, he's already well-established. Because if he wasn't well-established, he wouldn't have a black market deal going on underneath the, his own roof. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have all, all these other Russians in his house having this private party for yeah. a charity. And <clears throat> I think that this is a well-established Fisk. That we already have, but with yeah. the snap, <clears throat> it makes him even that more powerful because all those other powerful people could have also been demolished. And therefore, he can rise to power without having to worry about anybody coming yeah. to him. Plus, add the Ronin stuff on top of that. And right. yeah, it's just an it's just an easy path. My <clears throat> thing is though, because I I hear a lot of people saying, Who bought Stark Tower? Was it did Fisk buy Stark Tower? If this is an early Fisk. He, how does he afford that? Like, how much is a tower that size in New York cost these days? You know, you're an American. You you look well versed in the in the real estate market. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, um, so <laughs> fish starting out wouldn't even if he was like coming up from money that he had. You know, that's Stark Tower, man. That's not like that's not like a ten twenty million dollar purchase. That's like trillion dollars. That, that's like yeah, you're. Lots, lots of zeros, you know. Had a lot of my dating history, so (laughs) 
I, I, I'm joking. Some of them nah, were nah, very good, nice. <laughs> they were very, they, they were, they were some um, wonderful, lovely characters. Um, all two of them. It's fine. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Thank else, you, Josh. Though. Thank you, Josh. Go on back on target. What's your, what are you going to say? You know how we saw the Avengers uh, hideout keys. That was on the market though too. So what if he bought that as a way for underground crime to train people mm -hmm. and also bought the Stark Tower for business? Yeah, I mean, it would make sense. I mean, I'd really like to see the Fisk that we get in like, you know, some of the comics and particularly the Spider-Man, the 90s animated series where he's, you know, he's got all this tech and he's like loaning it out to people to, you know, to do other crimes on his behalf or, you know, giving people a little leg up in return for a, for a favour, you know, goblin gliders, you know, spider slash, <laughs> just funding everything left, right and centre. Um, right. So that would be a huge deal if, you know, not only just for this show, but for just generally his place in, in the Marvel Universe, because, you know, if we are getting him, which it seems like we are, you know, we had all the rumours kind of before because of Spider-Man, and now we're getting him in Hawkeye. Um, but I never imagined that he would be, you know, that level of like, you know, he's got his fingers in all these pies, he could show up in any movie, you know, he could be dealing with, you know, making spider slayers or funding, you know, like getting resources for like a titanium man or, you know, all these random characters like, you know, Modoc and AIM and all of these things like, and I love D'Onofrio. I'd love to see him ongoing. I just don't know. And we kind of, you know, to touch back on what we said about the beginning, like how much is this show really going to affect anything else? And are we going to really use this show as a platform to establish such a major threat? If he's that big a threat that he's buying Stark Tower and he's running New York City, then like... We're just going straight to 11, you know? Is that going to be right. too much? We're dealing with multiverse stuff. We've got Eternals running around. We've got the so. Shang-Chi. It's just too many different I don't kind of so. circles in the Venn diagram. Here's, here's why I don't think that's too many building blocks for that. Because I think that you can actually keep this separate from everything going on within the multiverse stuff. You know, I think mm -hmm. that you can have the continuity within Hawkeye and Fisk and all that stuff, and you can have that later on. Yeah. And then just focus on, like, later on, come back to it, and then focus just on the multiverse stuff. Yeah, and Hawkeye knows who Fisk is. Well, he doesn't know who he is, but he knows that there's somebody. Um, He knows that there's somebody who's working above Maya. Is, is that for me? Um. Tell them I'll pick it up on Thursday. <laughs> um, Sorry about that. But no, uh, we're good. Uh, so, yeah. so I'll make sure he doesn't get the message from Thursday. That's my point. Clint already knows who he is. So he must have made some legway on the scene, as it were, at this point. Right? Right. But we don't know. We're going to find out next week. It's obviously, it's obviously him. Nobody gets That's what I'm thinking. that well tailored. That was a I'm 100% sure belief. that it's Fisk. It's got to be Fisk, no matter it, what. Yeah, it, it's got to be. Um, 
I mean, do you think then Fisk is how how does the um how does um evil stepdad factor into all this? Is he working for Fisk? Is it, I think is it that he could be working for Fisk, and but... that just ties it all back together in a nice little bow with a bit of a too neat a bow, but you know, I could take it. To be honest with you, I think he might be working for Fisk, but this guy looks like an ugly version of Wario from the 90s with a mustache and the mussy, messy hair. And also looks like one of those guys that you can actually tie a woman up to a railroad tracks back in the 1930s comic book strip. Yeah, he looks like it's Mutt like Lee, very on right the around nose. the corner. Yeah. Definitely. And that's what I said to my fiance when I was watching this. I'm like, this is too obvious if he's the bad guy. You know what I mean? Because oh, he's got to be the bad guy because he's into sword fighting. I'm like, really? That's mm. so obvious and so on the nose. I'm like, I want some misdirection. I don't want it to be like, that's the bad guy. I want it to be maybe he's a concierge for Fisk or yeah. something like that. What I'd like to see, because we ended this episode and we'll start wrapping this up soon. The end of this episode, we go back to... um. Kate's just like, come along to the penthouse. I'll check the database. I'll find out who this guy is. Like, oh, great. Now she's all of a sudden, like, you know, full on oracling the situation. And she's, you know, forming the plan. She's on top of everything. Clint's just like, yeah, that seems fine. So they go back and she she's looking in there. And oh, conveniently, now I'm locked out straight away. And then Hawkeye goes into the next room. And there's a lovely sword there waiting for him attached to the mustache man as we've <laughs> already established so here's my theory on where we'll be going is that he's going to capture clint on behalf of kingpin we're going to meet kingpin next week he's mm. going to give a nice speech to hawkeye about how he's risen to power or what his kind of goal is you know this city and all of that stuff, you know, Vanessa. and we'll, 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 Vanessa, we'll answer some of those questions. Although he wants to hope the continuity is not in place because if it is, she's not doing so good. But right. I digress. Um, so do here's what I think I think Kingpin's gonna kill this shorty motherfucker just with his bare hands, and then that just that sets the tone of how dangerous this guy is. You collect swords, yeah? Well, collect these fucking hands, motherfucker. Mm -hmm. I'm the kingpin. I'm going to put your head in a car door and rip that mustache right off in the rubber ceiling. He'll, he'll just tear the dude's head off without even questioning about it. And stuff like Down that. An elevator and shaft. Also, uh, you know what would be interesting? If he kills the mustache dude in front of Kate and the mother to show some fear into who he actually is. I think that's exactly what we're going to do. And I know these wasn't Marvel Studios, but a lot of the Marvel shows, a lot of TV shows in general, have an annoying habit of doing that thing where they set up like, this is the main villain, and then halfway through the season they get killed, and then somebody else steps into the power vacuum. They've done it in a bunch of the Netflix yeah. shows. They did it in Iron Fist. They did it in Defenders. They did it in um, Luke Cage. You yeah. know, where Cottonmouth dies in like episode six and then the, the sister takes over. It's a trope that we see a lot. So I'm kind of bummed about it if they do that. But also, if anyone's going to use a trope, it's my man, Wilson Fisk. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll let him crush my head if he wants to. <laughs> you know, that's that's one that's one hot crime lord. What can I say? Exactly. In a but fine remember what shoot. they say about meeting your heroes, though. <laughs> it's not... 
You heard it here first, everyone. Wilson Fisk is my hero. I voted for Wilson Fisk. Um, <laughs> I demand a recount until Wilson Fisk gets what Wilson Fisk wants. Um, and anything else is is fake news. Any final <laughs> thoughts on this episode before we head out? Uh, just that I thought this was a great episode, a great start into me liking this uh, this series, to be honest. Because, mm -hmm. uh, like I said before, the first episode, I liked it and everything. And I remember watching the first two episodes not liking it at all. And then re-watching it and then liking the first one, not liking the second one so much. So yeah. now I have an appreciation for the first episode and this episode. And it sets the tone, sets the vibe on what we're going to get for next week, hopefully. But I'm excited. I'm I like I like what I'm seeing so far. Yeah, no, I I'm kind of in a similar pl place to you for this. Um, I didn't I enjoyed the first two episodes the first time I watched them. I didn't, wasn't in love with them. Um, I was just like, yeah, this is fine. I can just come back to this and and watch it for forty minutes and and have something to talk about. It's not exactly going to break the the internet or anything. But this episode, yeah, it it gave me just enough of like the things that I want more of, you know, it, it up the, the action and it up the, the dialogue is better. There's actually a bit more of a plot that I can get invested in now. Although I will say this, and this could be a danger that we're going to get for a lot of this stuff. Am I only more invested now because of Wilson Fisk, which is a character from a, you know, pre-established thing that they're just bringing in, just to get that exact reaction out of me, you know? Or am I actually excited for the plot of this show and where it's going to go? And are they going to be relying on that stuff a lot, you know, too much from now on, you know, with Spider-Verse and, you know, bringing in the these other things and kind of just remixing them, basically, you know, instead of having an actual, like, original engaging story or am i just being cynical well here's the thing i'm thinking i'm i'm excited because of the plot but am i going to be geeked out over the fact that fisk is showing up hell yeah i am because fisk to me is a great character to have and you need to have a character like fisk in this mcu you need a dangerous character it's been a long ass time since we had someone that was fucking uh threatening Mm -hmm. And to me, you need a you need a Fisk in your life, in MCU's life. But you know, I'm in it for the motivation of the story now because of the fact that we have Myra. I'm invested into her. And if it wasn't for Myra, I might actually feel that way. Where I'm like, am I more excited for Fisk or am I excited for the plot? But because yeah. I saw Myra, because I saw her background, because of her uh, ability to not be able to hear and her ability to analyze people. And something yeah. like that. That's the my that's my motivation of tuning in now. Yeah, she's a very engaging character, and and I'm I am excited to see kind of or intrigued more to see how they resolve her thing with 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 Barton because she's got to find out that he is in fact Ronin. We know she's getting her own series. She's not going to have her own series as like, you know, Lady Death, leader of a a crime gang. You know what I mean? So she's gonna there's going to be a face turn at some point where she's going to turn against presumably Fisk, but even if that happens, Clint still killed her, her her father figure, you know? Right. So it I just I'm just interested to see how they're gonna resolve that. She's gonna be like, well yeah, 
I know you did that, but now there's something more important, so I'm done with it. Or he's, you know, I just don't know how there's an interesting way to to wrap that up that doesn't just feel like a bit of a a bit of a cop out. But I mean, <laughs> but I'm intrigued to see if and how they do that. You know, we're gonna team up. I help you beat kingpin and then i'm going to come and kick your ass again afterwards and we still haven't seen yelena come into this yet which we would assume that she's going to so now we've got a three-way going on of yelena wants clinch head maya wants clinch head all four-way fisk wants his head and hell five-way because mr swordman wants to slice that bad boy straight (laughs) off as well and use it as a candy bowl so I don't know. Now that we're breaking it down, you know, there is some plot going on, but it's mm-hmm. nothing, you know, it's nothing that's going to kind of really get you chewing. But, you know, there's enough. And I, I, I want to see where it goes. So Me overall, too. it's a good episode. And I hope for everyone, this has been a good episode and that I've been a good host. I'm Dean Lewis. You get me on Dean Lewis 2099 on Twitter. Um, follow me there. Might be some fun stuff happening from my end soon more funner than usual <laughs> how do you like my grammar tell the people again once more where they can find you okay you guys can go on and follow me on facebook at movie lovers tv lovers united over there of course under instagram underneath the same brand name and on and on pinterest as well you can also get an audio only podcast wherever you guys get your um, major podcasts from then of course guys you can also follow me on tiktok at movie lovers unit zero over there twitter movie lovers unit over there as well then if you want to reach out to me, a sponsor, or if you'd like to be on the show, all you have to do is reach out to me at movielovesunite at gmail.com, and that's where you can reach out to me at. And then, of course, if you want to donate to the page, you guys don't have to. Just subscribe over to the channel. That's good enough. But if you choose to do so, just go ahead. Go to gofundme.com forward slash podcast, and that's how you can donate 5 to $10 to the channel that way. But thanks again for having me. This has been a blast talking Hawkeye with you. Yep, I'm glad to have somebody on to interact with me and go back and forth about this show because, my God, there's not enough meat to do it by myself. (laughs) That is not a double entendre. Good night. See everyone next week. See you.